Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. everyone welcome to howard david live we welcome in andy vasquez of the newark star ledger uh is any one individual been more of a talking point than aaron Rodgers so far this year no and and it's not really close i mean when you look at the jets and everything that's changed for them so dramatically when they went from a team that you know everybody thought maybe should have made the playoffs last year and needed to take a leap and could be a contender now they are not just a playoff contender. They're viewed as, you know, one of the top eight teams in the league that can win a Super Bowl by Vegas and, and by a lot of pundits. So, and it's all because of him. I mean, the, the roster hasn't changed very dramatically this offseason. There's been a lot of kind of second tier kind of additions and subtractions, but he's the guy, he's driving everything. And, and of course, I mean, the Jets haven't had a quarterback of his caliber who actually wanted to be there Brett, remember Brett Favre kind of didn't have a choice and, and it ended up accepting the trade to the Jets or, or or showing up Rogers wanted to be here and is completely bought in so it's uh, it's an exciting time certainly within the organization and I think you know with training camp now two weeks from Thursday which is amazing uh we're going to see the excitement soon from the fans in person too what is interesting is the fact that um that he has been there through it all, uh, whatever meetings, whatever training camp, whatever uh, activity, he's been there. And I think that's the key. Yeah, it, it is. It is. And I think, you know, he had said at the beginning that there were some commitments. He was going to miss some days. And when he heard his cap in that first practice to, that was open to the public, um, he said that kind of changed his plans. They ended up staying the entire the entire offseason program like every single day of it. And he said he was really glad they was able to do that, not just because it was better for him to work with the medical staff with the Jets on his cap, but because it, it allowed him a chance to do so many things around the area with his teammates and, and get to know the area and, and kind of figure that kind of stuff out. So it was very, uh, it, if I were a Packers executive or fan, I'd kind of be like, man, what, why wasn't that happening with us these last couple of years? And I think you know, anywhere, if you're anywhere for 18 years, there's going to be tensions and, you know, things are going to crop up and little things become big things. And I think that's part of it. But I also think it's very significant that he's bought in on the Jets, clearly. And I think he has something, some sort of chip on his shoulder or vendetta. I don't know what to call it, but he, wa he wants to prove to the Packers and then show them what they're missing, too. And I think all of that is good for the Jets. The same old Jets. We keep hearing that phrase, same old Jets. I've heard it from my doctor, who's a big Jet fan. I've heard it from my grandson, who's a big Jet fan. Uh, what's going to change? Obviously, we're going to have to see what goes on on the field. And that means the first Monday night against Buffalo. Uh, I don't know if you could add a harder opponent week one of the season. But the key is, it's one of, uh, what is it, five or six primetime appearances the Jets have this year? I think they have the they're set up for the maximum of six right now. And and I think that includes the the 
the Black Friday game, the first ever Black Friday game. That's another thing when you talk about the impact that one guy has had. I mean, I think Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner would have earned the Jets a primetime game or two this year after an extra than the one they've gotten each of the last two years, which is pretty amazing that they had two combined in 2021 and 2022. Um, but Aaron Rodgers, I mean, everybody's going to be interested to see how he looks the first time in a Jets uniform on that Monday night. And then I think it's week four. You got them another really tough challenge playing the Chiefs. Um, and, you know, they're going to Dallas week two and they're playing the Patriots who they haven't beat since 2015 in week three. So uh, they're going to get a very tough challenge from the start. And the whole country is going to be watching with two of those first four games in prime time. And it's going to be really interesting because, you know, there's a lot of positivity right now. But when you look back to just last year, it's this team is in a unique situation where they have all this excitement and they also have the longest active playout drought in North American professional sports. Mm -hmm. So um, when they were one and two last year without Zach Wilson as their starting quarterback, he was still hurt. People were freaking out. Um, and if they're one and two or one and three this year, I can't imagine what that will be like. And it will certainly be a, a an adversity that they'll have to be tested by and, and go through. Uh, you mentioned the schedule. Uh, go down a week, um, uh, week five to play the Philadelphia Eagles. So that's not a walk in the park. Uh, the first part of the schedule, the first eight games, really tough. Second half of the schedule, not so much. Uh, let's talk about hard knocks. Everybody's talking about the Jets on hard knocks. Do they need it? I mean, I don't think they need it, and I don't think they don't need it. I don't think it should be a big issue. The Jets have made it very clear that they don't want to do it. Uh, Robert Sala even said that in front of a podium, in front of the cameras. Um, I don't think it should matter. It's not like it's not going to be a circus if they're not on hard knocks. Um I don't think it would be good or bad. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, if you look back to the last time they were on Hard Knocks, they went to the AFC Championship game for the second straight year. So um, I, I don't think it should be something that they're concerned about. Clearly, they are. I think the reason we haven't heard from the NFL yet about what's happening uh, is, is that there's some pushback from the Jets. So um, I, I don't think it should be an issue if they think that they're going to somehow avoid the storm or circus that is coming it tells me that they're not ready for it, to be honest with you. So I think they should be embracing this kind of stuff. And like, it shouldn't be a factor to them. They they need to be above the noise because there's going to be a lot of noise this year. Uh, Andy, uh, let's talk about the roster uh, and specifically the offensive side of the ball. The one main concern is, is the offensive line ready? Are they ready to put that offensive line to protect Aaron Rodgers? Uh, you know, and one of the areas of concern uh, was the center spot, where it looks like Joe Tipman's going to be the guy, not Connor McGovern. What are you hearing? Yeah, I, I mean, just the the early indications are, I mean, first of all, I just think you're drafting a, a center in the second round. Um, and then you look at the way Con Connor McGovern's contract situation played out, where the Jets thought he would end up somewhere else. Um, he didn't get that market materializing he ended up coming back to the jets on a on a deal i think it's only worth like two million um he it's that's backup money and i think at the very least Pittman will be um in a situation where he's competing for the job so um yeah i, I don't know how it's going to look i don't know exactly that but i think that the offensive line situation 
it will it's better than it was last year. I'll, I'll say that. Like they didn't add any big names and they have big questions at both tackle positions with, uh, you know, Dwayne Brown coming back from an injury. Not a hundred percent sure he'll be ready for training camp. Makai Beckham hasn't played a full game in front of fans in his entire career because he's been injured and um, you know, hasn't played the game since 2021. So, um, they're, they're an interesting situation there, but I think they've added, key depth with Billy Turner. I think having McGovern now uh, as a guy you can shuffle around on the inside because he can play guard and center. And then you have Elijah Vera Tucker, who who is already back, fully participated in the offseason program. And he has the versatility, which he showed last year, to, to move around and play guard and tackle all four of those positions. I think they're actually in a good position, even with injury. And you got Max Mitchell, guys that they – um, you know, got the experience last year. So I think they didn't make the big name additions, but their depth is really good and they can, they can withstand some of that uncertainty. And I think, uh, you know, it is a question, but I don't think it's as big of a question mark as people think. What about Makai Becton? I mean, is he going to be a guy that's ready to go week one? This is the most, uh, it's hard to believe that you're going into a training camp with Aaron Rodgers and the Makai Becton thing might be the most fascinating storyline in this training camp because he's clearly doesn't want to play right tackle. He wants to be a left tackle. Dwayne Brown hasn't played any position, but left tackle since he was at Virginia tech in the early uh, 2000s. So if, and, and Robert Sala said, it's going to be hard to, you know, knock him off of that position. So what happens if Dwayne Brown isn't ready to go at the start of training camp, Makai Becton is, do the Jets put him at left tackle to compete, even though they know Brown is probably going to be their left tackle? Do they put him at right? Does he uh, does he agree to go to right? Because he's basically called out the coaching staff publicly and said that the reason for his injury last year was that he was playing out of position. So could he demand a trade? I mean, there are so many factors. And the, and the man, they can't 100% count on him or really count on him at all because he hasn't played a full game since September of um, he hasn't played in any game since September of 2021 and hasn't played a full game since his rookie season in 2020. So um, the key is for him to get through the first couple weeks of training camp without anything, keep building up. But it, again, it's going to be really hard for the jets to evaluate a guy who's going to be on a limited workload because he's coming back from such a long injury. You can't just throw him out there hundred percent. So I would say the odds are against him being a starter this year or to start the season, but we'll see how it goes. And I would be interested to see how he handles it if they don't allow him to compete for that left tackle job or if, he, if he's clearly not going to win it. Andy, I think it's fair to say the deepest part of this team is the off is a wide receiver room and throw the tight ends into that mix too. I mean, you got Garrett Wilson, you got uh, Alan Lazard, uh, Mikal Hardman, and I'm fascinated with him also as a kick returner. You got Corey Davis, you got Randall Cobb. Uh, the running back room, a lot of talk about Dalvin Cook. Uh, do, do the Jets, A, have a need for him, and B, where are they with him? So the answer is they do have a need for him, and it's not because anything's going wrong with Brees Hall's rehab. It's because when the season starts, it will be less than 11 months since he tore his ACL week seven of last year in Denver. And I don't care how good he looks in training camp, they're not going to, to start him off at his normal workload of 25 carries. So it's going to take time. And then when you look at the Jets' top two running backs behind him, you got Michael Carter, who really had a bad sophomore season. Um, and, and that's a situation where he, you know he's not a power back. He's, he's all about making guys miss. 
And then you have uh, uh, Abinikanda from, I'm forgetting his first name, Israel Abinikanda from, from right. uh, Pitt, who is going to be the only Jets player in history to play in a game. If, if everything on goes as according to plan, he'll be the only Jets player in history under 21 to play in a game. So uh, they, they need a veteran. I think they'll pick up a veteran. I think it's going to depend on if the price is right for, for Cook. And that's it. They're not going to be paying him anything near where he made it like 11 million last year. I think it's got to come in around five, 6 million. If they can get to that number and, and he doesn't get some other team that's also a contender. Cause I think he wants to go to a contender that's, that's throwing that money at him. Um, I think it will happen, but I think it's going to take some time to happen because it, it's just the way these things work out. And, and a guy like cook, he may not want to be at all training camp. Uh, and that's a, another factor in this too. I think. Where does Zonovan Knight fit? He had, some nice moments last year, but I think um, the the more tape that was out on him, the the better job defenses did containing him easily. So he's got something to prove in training camp in the preseason for sure. I think he can be a part of that rotation, but I think the way that he kind of got figured out at the end of last year um, is going to make it so that he has to earn it. The million-dollar question, Quinnen Williams, where are they in the negotiations? Well, yeah, I think more like the $65 million question or some somewhere in there, because that's where, um, you know, you're trying to figure out if this is going to work with the guaranteed money and, and all of that. Um, I, I think it's you're getting to the point where, you know, in the next two weeks, I think that this is when the deal is going to happen. I think really when the week before training camp, when there's pressure on the Jets and there's pressure on Quinnen and the fact that you're going to go into the season without um a guy like him ready to play, it, it, it could set you back. You, you don't want to be talking about, you know, your best defensive player or one of your top two defensive players not being there when you're talking about winning a Super Bowl and everybody being on the same page. And, and the, you know, I think the deal will get done. I think it's pretty, pretty obvious that, you know, he's, he's going to command a little bit more than the other guys this summer got, um, he's not going to command Aaron Donald money. That puts him at somewhere around $25 million a year, somewhere around a guarantee of 62 or 63 or somewhere between there and 65 million. I think that's eventually where it's going to get to. Um, and I think they will get there because I just don't see the Jets going into training camp with with this thing looming over their their defense and, and potentially becoming a chemistry issue and all of that. So I think a day or two before camp is when it will get done. And I think it'll get done at about where the numbers should be. Um, it is a little worrying, though, given the Jets' history with first-round picks, that it hasn't happened yet uh, because, you know, they have not signed a first-round pick since Muhammad Wilkerson back in 2016, and, and they drafted him in 2011, I believe. Well, you look at uh, Quentin Williams. I mean, he's the straw that serves the drink because as he goes, the rest of the defense, which is good, uh, becomes even more of a problem for opposing offenses because – the pass rush is so critical. Yeah. And I think, you know, they showed last year in a couple games that he missed that they can play well without him, but, but sustaining it is going to be tough because, you know, guys uh, opposing offenses are going to be able to take advantage of the guy, other guys on the, on the defensive line, especially a tackle who aren't as established as him. And especially now that they've lost their top two run stuffers, you know, Sheldon Rankins went to the Texans and Nathan Shepard went to the saints uh, they're not as deep as they were in, on the interior. And I think they're going to have to kind of move some pieces around and, and try some guys out who were on the outside last year on the interior. So 
it, it's especially critical for him to be there this year because uh, they lost some of their depth inside and, and they need him to be ready and, and to have a good year. You look at this division. This is the most one of the, I think it's the most interesting division in the league, top to bottom. I mean, but we know Buffalo's solid. Uh, Miami, obviously, it all surrounds Tua. And uh, you don't bet against Belichick. So you look at this top to bottom, it's going to be a very competitive division. It's going to be interesting. And I think, you know, there's all these these marquee games to start the season that are they're really interesting. I am most interested in the Patriots game week three. The Jets should have beaten them both times last year. They didn't. Um, they're now clearly the more talented team. They haven't beaten them since 2015. I've been covering the team. This will be my eighth year. I still haven't seen them beat the Patriots uh, anywhere. Uh, I saw it. I saw it a few times before then when I did sidebars. So it's not me, people. But um, I, I think that game is going to tell you a lot about how this season is going to go. Uh, if they can, they need to get over that hurdle. I think especially the young guys mentally and, and beat them. And and you know I think this is a way that they can build the trust and chemistry, but I wouldn't count out the Patriots. Uh, I wouldn't count out Bill Belichick having something special for them. And I think if they can get that win, they're going to be just fine. But if they don't win that game, no matter how, even if they win in Dallas and against um, the bills week one on Monday night, I think it's a, it's a giant red flag. So I, I I'm really interested in that game and it's really interesting to see how everything plays out in the division, but especially against the Patriots week one or week three and, and week, 18 because that's where they close the season out as well so the Patriots are going to play a role in this Jets season and they always do um and maybe it'll be a a passing of the torch or or you know the their their Michael Jordan moment like the bad boys had like he had against the bad boys back in the in the you know early 90s but I think I think that's a very key matchup for the team for the Jets this year uh I I I heard Mike Tannenbaum former Jets GM the other day said, if the Patriots get DeAndre Hopkins, they're going to they're gonna be the team to beat in the AFC East. And I looked at the screen and I went, what? I mean, what do they put in Mike's coffee? That that one, that one guy is going to make a difference? I don't know. I mean, I think it'll make them a lot more dangerous on offense. But I, yeah, I think, I mean, clearly, I think the other three teams in the division have more talent than the Patriots do right now, which you couldn't say that for a long time. Also, I wouldn't bet against Bill Belichick uh, getting the most out of whatever talent he does get. And I, I do think the Patriots will be dangerous, but I don't think there's any world where they're a favorite in the AFC. I don't think there's one player unless you're adding, you know, bringing back Calvin Johnson in his prime. Uh, even that, I don't know if that would make them the, the favorite in, in the divisions. I don't think there's one receiver that can do it, but I do think that they can be a dangerous team. And I don't think I don't think it's a 0% chance that they can win the division, but no, I don't. Yeah. I don't see that as them being the favorite by adding Hopkins who's clearly on the decline too. Yeah. We, we both know the AFC is deeper uh, than the NFC is. You got Kansas city who won it all. You got Buffalo. I think the pressure's on Buffalo. I really do. I think this is a make or break year for the bills. I think it's very much on Buffalo. And we start to look at, you know, they're, they had this reputation for having a, a really stout, great defense and the defense just hasn't been quite what it was um, like two or three years ago. And I think that's something to watch and, and you know, how Von Miller looks when he comes back from this ACL. And then obviously it wasn't as good without Dable last year, that first year. And personally, I, I'm like, why is it going to get better in year two without him? 
Um, it might, but it might not. Uh, and I think it's more likely to not get better as you get more removed from from the things he was doing there. So I, I yeah, they need they have a lot to prove and there's high expectations and that fan base is always passionate, but especially right now when they can see this chance and they know that it might be slipping away and there's some confusing stuff going on with Diggs. And is he, is he happy? Is he not? Uh, there's a lot of question marks going into this season for the bills. And I think the jets match up. We saw it last year. I think the jets know how to, how to, uh, attack their offense you know josh allen i think had two of his worst games against the jets last year and and the jets had some success against their defense so i think i think it's a good matchup for the jets doesn't mean that they'll win but i do think that for a team that is a super bowl contender and still more talented than the jets it's a good matchup for them the team that we don't really know a lot about i mean we know about tua his health is obviously critical but we don't know a lot about the dolphins yeah they're they are kind of what the Rams were a few years ago where they're putting together all these, these veteran pieces and it can work. It, it doesn't seem like it's going to work long-term, but they, if they can get it to work this, this one or two years, they can certainly have the talent to contend, but yeah, is it going to work? Is Tua going to be on the field? And, and you hate to have to ask that, but you have to ask that given how it's gone with him. And it's also very interesting that they signed Mike White on an incentive laden deal to be their backup. And you know, it, it's the Jets, it's the Dolphins. It would just, it's not rooting against Tua or, or his health. Hopefully, Tua plays every snap and, and we don't see Mike White, but you just have a feeling that in those two matchups, I think they play, um, you know, on Black Friday and then they play uh, December 17th. Uh, you, you have to have this feeling that Mike White is going to play a role in this somehow and that's going to be fascinating to see given his history with the jets the thing that's uh look we all are curious about aaron Rodgers. Uh, we don't know if he's going to be a one-year guy a two-year guy he could be tom brady and play for a few more years we don't really know but what we do know is that this guy knows how to win and that's something the jets have no experience in currently yeah and i think that was the most important thing and the biggest difference that we saw in having him around during the offseason program. Um, there is, you know, I, I think there was some starstruckness or, you know, some of the guys were starstruck. Starstruck is not a word, but uh, yeah. the, some of the guys, there was at first they were dealing with being starstruck. And then it was like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is here. I should be here. And um, he's also, he was very engaged in terms of even when he got hurt, he was, uh watching the quarterbacks throwing closely and giving feedback to the quarterbacks. And he talked about how important it is for Garrett Wilson and, and sauce Gardner to exchange notes and the offense and defense to exchange notes on here's what I do that works against you. And here's what you do that works against me and all of that stuff, the, these little things that are big things, when you add them all up, that's going to be a difference in terms of the jets mindset. I think they already believe that they can play with anyone before Aaron Rodgers got here and they proved that last year, but now it's like, they believe that they have what it takes to win these games. And that's why I think that Patriots game early is so key. And these, these early games are so key because uh, they need to have that evidence to back it up as well. It's going, it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, but yeah, he knows what he's doing. And I think the jets are letting him uh, run this the way he wants to. And, and people can say, Oh, you know, they're handing over the keys and they're giving him too much control, whatever. Um, that's why you bring in a guy like this. To, to show you how to do this and to help you get there. So I think it's for it to work. You have to give him that control and you have to hand him the keys. And it is a tricky balance, you know, in terms of 
demanding accountability from him as equally as everybody else. But I, I think the locker room and, and Salah can handle that part of this for sure. Before I let you go, one thing we don't know, not, had not seen, is Aaron Rodgers as a mentor. Does he consider himself a mentor? Well, I think definitely. And, and the case where that came out, and this surprised me, he seems to be really invested in Zach Wilson's future in a way that I did not foresee and in a way that I think could keep Zach Wilson on the roster longer than I thought. I think if the Jets get a, a reasonable deal to trade Wilson, they will because it would give him a chance somewhere else to, to have more of a role right away. But I don't think they're going to get that deal. And 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 Rodgers has referred to him as like taking over for him when he's gone after a couple of years. So Rodgers is, is made it clear that he's invested in, in Zach Wilson, that he cares about him. He's saying that he, that Zach Wilson has done all of this great, uh, all the adjustments that they're making to his fundamentals and, and all that stuff that he, that he's handled it well and handled the difficult situation. Well, so um, yeah, I think he he's invested in him and it, it does give, I don't see a long-term future with Zach Wilson, the jets, but he, he really might be the backup quarterback this year. And I think Aaron Rodgers being so bought in on him and, and so invested in his future is why, uh, that's a possibility. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate your insight. You stay safe. Thank you. Thank you. You too. He's uh, Andy Vasquez of the Newark Star-Ledger who covers uh, the New York Jets. We switch gears and get into the world of basketball. Kurt Helen of NBC.com. Hey, Kurt, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing? Trying to, sorry, a little technical glitch there. Hey, you got yourself an in-car studio. I like it. <laughs> yeah, it. Uh, I when I, I, I agreed to do this show because I love how I love being on with you, Howard. And in no way did I kind of half forget that I was driving up to Vegas when I <laughs> agreed to do this. So, driving up from where? Uh, where I live in Southern California, oh, Long Beach. Okay. Um, and I am, you know, halfway out to Las Vegas and pulled over, and it's a nice break. Frankly, I can get some food and a little gas and get back on the road. There you go. Uh, we uh we don't know. I mean, James Harden, Damian Lillard, where are these guys playing? Is Harden going to stay in Philly? Did he sign a new deal? Damian Lillard is he going to Miami? I mean, this is the two two of the biggest questions, I guess, right now. Yeah, well, with Harden, it wouldn't be a shock to see him start the season in Philly. I, he he wants out. I think they'll make a trade eventually. But I mean, we saw this with. Daryl Morey dealing with um, Ben Simmons a little over a year ago, right? Before the hard trade. That was, I mean, Howard, wasn't that basically just destructive for the team, right? Like it was a distraction. It was a mess not having Simmons around. And he didn't care. Daryl Morey was going to get the deal he wanted, was willing to, you know, I think the, the phrase most used is he's comfortable being uncomfortable. I think he'd do that with Harden. I think he'd bring Harden back and say, let's just make this work until a point where he finds a trade that he does like, whether it's to the Clippers or someone else. So I, that one, that one could drag out a while. Maybe I, you know, look, maybe it gets done before the season, but I don't think it gets done before Lillard because I think Lillard's the bigger domino. So if you're the Clippers, I'm not jumping in the James Harden sweepstakes until I'm, sh I'm until I'm absolutely a hundred percent sure I can't get Damian Lillard because Lillard's a better player. Right. Yeah, I look at um, at, at Harden. Uh, he wanted out of Oklahoma City. He talked his way out of Brooklyn. And now yeah. here in Philadelphia, I mean, it's like dealing with Kyrie Irving. 
Talk about guys that why do you need these people on your team? This is his third, we'll call it a trade request, pushing himself out of the organization, however you wish to phrase it. It's the third time in under three years. And if and remember, whatever team trades for him, any team that trades for him at this point, because of the situation with his contract and him opting in, they can't extend him. So he is going to be a free agent at the end of this year, and you're going to have to re-sign him. If you're a team trading for him with that track record, you have to view this as a rental. You have to view this as a one-year situation because you don't know where he's mentally going to be in a year, which limits what you're going to offer. I, I, I know with the Clippers, part of the, the very preliminary conversations, they really haven't gone that far down the road, I was told, but the very preliminary conversations were whether Terrence Mann is in the deal. And Terrence Mann is a nice young forward who could be a good quality starting point guard and, you know, or like a wing size, but he can play some point guy in the NBA. The Clippers are, I mean, the Clippers are hesitant to put him in the deal because they're basically a one and done team and they'd like to have him in a year. So it's just the whole thing's kind of a mess, Howard. Like, I don't know how they, how they pull that together for him. I got to ask you, Kurt, uh, since you are from so and Southern California, about the Lakers. Uh, they, they keep Hachimura. They keep Reeves. D'Angelo Russell. They add Gabe Vincent, which I thought was a terrific addition. Yeah. Uh, Torian Prince. Jackson Hayes. Cam Reddish. This roster is interesting how these pieces will fit, remains yeah. seen. But you got to look at the Lakers right now and say, you know what? Don't turn your back on this team. No, they, you know what was the smartest thing they did? Our, uh, look, they go through the playoffs. They make a run to the Western Conference Finals, right? Like they had a good postseason after trading Russell Westbrook, bringing in quality role players, you know, getting Hachimura, the emergence of, and they re-signed uh, uh, Reeves this, this offseason. Like, but they make this run and then they get their doors blown off. They just get swept out of the building by Denver, who's playing it. At a, at a championship level, right? Like they were obviously the best team in the NBA by the end of it. The Lakers historically would have looked at that situation and said, oh, we're in trouble. Let's go get a star. We need another star. But they did that a couple of years ago with Russell Westbrook and, and look how it turned out. And they didn't this time. They, they, they doubled down on putting smart people, the, the right fit of people, a smart build around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I think, I think they had a really good offseason. And that said, fourth best team in the West, fifth best team in the West probably, especially during the regular season. I think they're a dangerous playoff team if LeBron and Anthony Davis are healthy and this team kind of coalesces. But I don't think they're going to win regular season games, not only like Denver, but like Phoenix is going to win a lot of regular season games with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley Beal. Like they're just going to win games on talent a lot of nights. Um Golden State could come together. So I'm not sure they're a great team, but I think they did a lot better than grand win-now moves that would have failed them. Let's go to the East. Uh, we're talking with uh, Kurt Helen of NBC.com. Uh, you go to the East, uh, the Celtics make a move. Marcus Smart is involved. He goes. Kristaps Porzingis is brought in. Uh, this answers the question. We needed more size. He provides yeah. uh, Situations inside and out. Uh, having said all of that, uh, now Grant Williams is gone, signs with Dallas. 
Are the Celtics better or worse than they were at the end of last year? Potentially better. You're, you're really betting on, and I, I think it's, it's Porzingis staying healthy, which is obviously a historical, you know, just over his career, that's been an issue. Um, so that's a concern. The other part of it, though, is Marcus Smart's the heart and soul of that team, and that don't mean that in a like it's it's easy to just say that, but he was the guy who brought it every night on a team that you know at the end of the year we're talking about how they're not tough enough, how they're not mentally didn't you know kind of wilted in the playoff pressure this year and and didn't handle it terribly well. Replacing. Marcus Smart with Chris Stapps Porzingis doesn't seem to solve those problems for me. They're really going to need, like, it works on paper. Uh, on paper, I think this is a good move. But the only way it works in, like, locker room chemistry for me is if this is the year Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum really step up as leaders, right? Like, and have they done that before? No. No, yeah, really. I'm, I, yeah, I have to see them do it. No, I'm with you. Uh, I, I completely agree. In the East, I mean, you look at Milwaukee, and uh, Giannis obviously has had some issues with his knee, which has been cleared up, supposedly. Uh, you still look at them as the team to beat in the East. And Philadelphia right now is a question mark, and it's subject to, yeah. to the James Harden situation. So, you know, is there a surprise team in the East? Could the Knicks be that team? Maybe. they they've. I think they had a... Look, they didn't do anything rash this offseason. They didn't make any big moves, but they also I don't think like, they I don't think like they're not in the Lillard mix from what I've been told. And that doesn't that makes sense. Um, on top of the fact Lillard's gonna get paid sixty-three million dollars at, at age thirty-six in four years. Like, you gonna put him next to Brunson? Like the emergence of Brunson kind of changes the type of player they need to go get, and it's not really Lillard. Um, it's not welcome any star anymore. They're good enough to wait for the guy who's the right who's the right fit. Um, so I think they could. I think the team you left off, by the way, is Miami. If they get Lillard, who yeah. is if 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 they get him, then they've got to be near the top of that list with Butler and Bam Adebayo and and the role players that they'll. I was about to say that they have, even if they trade most of them away in this deal, Miami man, they'll, they'll just find they'll just find some more off the back of the draft. Yeah, they're going to unload a bunch of draft picks. That's going to be part of the deal. And Tyler Hero, yeah. you believe, is also going to be part of that deal. Duncan Robinson. <laughs> but you put Lillard with Butler and Adebayo, you got yourself a championship contender. Yeah, Caleb Martin probably in that mix still if they can keep him. And then just enough stuff off the bench to work. Like, I think they're going to be – look, they're going to be right there. And they're kind of – they're kind of like I was thinking about the Lakers. I don't know how great a regular season team they will be, but Lillard gives them – right now it's been part of their challenge, part of the reason they struggled against De uh, Denver is teams with enough defense like Denver could load up on Jimmy Butler late in games. It was Jimmy Butler against the world, and I love Bam, but he's not – he doesn't really create for himself. Now you got to deal with Bam and Lillard? That's a problem because Lillard's Lillard's as clutch a player as there is in the league. So you're on your way to Vegas. And yep. is it tonight we're going to get a look at Wembenaya? 
Uh, Friday night um, against uh, what's the other part of that is actually, which is going to be interesting, going up against uh, Charlotte and Brandon Miller, who like, I don't judge guys off of. I, I'm hesitant to judge guys off of, of summer league, but he had a rough couple of first outings um, in playing in Utah. So we'll see if I, I what you want to see is him start to take step for steps forward. So hopefully we see that. Denver, can they repeat? Yes, they can. Will they? Obviously, time will tell. But who gives them the biggest concern? Is it the Lakers? Is it Phoenix? Is it Golden State? Uh, you know, you look at Golden State, it's starting to show a little age. Yeah. And well, and they got younger with Chris Paul at 38, right? Yeah. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not exactly that. But they, yeah, they're they're a team sort of, I think, like I was going to phrase the Lakers. When I, when I, when I do my preseason rankings and I'm putting these tiers together, I tend to do it by tiers. Denver's going to be on the tier where you feel like a couple things can go wrong and they're going to be fine. Like they bring back the, yes, they lose, they lose Bruce Brown. That is certainly a loss. Um, Mm. Jeff Green's gone, but they bring back the entire starting five that just won a championship. Like they're there. Right. But that second tier is got teams that need, a lot more things to go right. Their margin for error is a lot smaller. I feel like that's where the Warriors are. Like, I'm not really worried about Curry, but they need a little more out of Clay Thompson. They got to get Draymond Green to the playoffs healthy. Chris Paul's got to get through. Like, they've got to figure out how to mesh Chris Paul, which is my. I, I think they have. They can do it. They're high IQ players. I think they can do it, and they've got a season to figure it out. But Chris Paul walks the ball up, the, or walks the dog up the floor. He doesn't pick the ball up half the time. <laughs> gets the pounds it out top surveys the situation picks the mismatch he wants to exploit calls that guy up to set a pick like starts the offense 12 seconds into the clock that's not how the warriors play so there's a lot of work to do there that's not you know the warriors are chaos and speed and you trying to adapt to them so i don't know what that's going to look like i really don't um we'll see i i I think Phoenix, by the way, had a really nice offseason considering that they all had minimum contracts and had to make that thing work. Watch out for them. I, I think if I think Josh Okoge coming back helps them. They've got DeAndre Ayton. If if Frank Vogel can turn him into a drop back center, like I got some questions, but if they can just get decent play out of all the role guys and it just fills in the depth enough, and I think they did really well with that. Durant, Booker, and Beal. It's gonna be a really tough postseason matchup. I think they're the I think they're the biggest threat to Denver in the West. Let me ask you this, Kurt. What's the over and under how long Kyrie Irving stays in Dallas and <laughs> work out? Uh, is it uh Doncic that wants out? I mean, what do you hear? I bet it's a year from now. Um if if he I let's put it this way, they will have had a really good season and surprised me a little bit if he's if one year from now we're talking and he's still a member of the Dallas Mavericks. Like I'm I'm just not sure that's gonna happen. I'm not sure the meshing is gonna be there. But they've actually had a pretty good offseason around them. They did go out and get some defense. They tried to get some centers in there. We'll you know, uh they just tried to put they tried to get Matisse Thibel. That didn't work, but Grant Williams certainly fits for them. Um I'm just not, I'm not sold. And I think that what you're mentioning, isn't that Mark Cuban's biggest concern? It's, hey, we can ditch Kyrie Irving or whatever, but at what point does 
Luka Doncic start to say, this isn't worth it, man. This is not working. I don't, is it just me? Like, I don't get Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal level loyalty off of him. Oh, good point. Um, before I let you go, uh, I look at, um, at the league in a lot of different ways. And one of, the th- one of the things that's key is learning how to win. And what do you do when yeah. you've learned? And I address Michael Malone. I've known his father for a long time, uh, ever since he was under Chuck Daly with the bad boy Pistons that won back-to-back championships. Uh, I mean, he seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder. He was angry about the detention the Lakers were getting. And it's like he, he had something to prove. And the question is now, is he going to change emotionally after winning a title? I don't really think so. I think a little of that was, look, he's been a coach for there for eight years. He's been a coach in the league for longer. And we could go back to the why did Sacramento let him go again conversation, but I really don't want to revisit that whole rather foolish play by the, the on the long list of foolish King thing, King's mistakes prior to the current GM. Um, I don't think so. I think some of that was an act. I think some of that was, or at least drummed up to a fire up his team and the fan base a little bit. He just, he really, when you interview him and when you're, especially when you're in these big finals type settings where you're not really getting that kind of, you're not getting one-on-one time. You're not getting intimate, um, you know, moments with him. There's a real sense that, he just knows how to play the game. And I don't mean just the X's and O's of basketball. He gets, hey, I got to give the media. It's easier on me if I give the media a little something. Then it's all mm. easier. So he's really good at, he's, he's not, you know, the Doc Rivers. I'm really good at giving you some quotes and a little bit of information and let you guys run with it. And everybody's happy. And I've come off like a good guy. And I can gin up some oh, everybody hates us. Everybody's still talking about the Lakers. Wasn't totally wrong, but everybody's still talking about the Lakers. Um, and it fires up my fan base, and more importantly, it, it works in the locker room. I think, he, I think he just knows how to play it now. Were you surprised, as I was, with Fred Van Vliet leaving Toronto to go to Houston? Not at $130 million for three years. <laughs> um, at the end of the day, man. It's so funny. I was talking with somebody uh, in the league the other day talking about, in this case, like loyalty to Lillard and, and does do Port- is Portland going to send him somewhere because he wants to be there type of thing. And he's like, that, that that's overplayed, that it really doesn't affect teams that much. He goes, and he's brought it wrong about this because 98% of free agent decisions are made based on money. <laughs> They're just who's got the most money. That's where I'm going. I'm going to go get myself the most cash I can. And it's only lifestyle and where I want to play and chasing rings only comes into play later in guys' careers or three teams are all offering me the mid-level exception. So which one am I going to choose? It's money, money, money before that. And so Fred took the money. I don't don't blame him. I think he's a kind of good fit for them too because he can – he's a good floor general, but he can play off the ball so they can give it to Jalen Green. I don't really love how they've built this team necessarily, but I think he's a he's a pretty good fit. If they're going to be interesting, they need Jabari Smith to make a leap, and we'll see if he can. 
Kurt, go get yourself some food. Uh, enjoy your drive. <laughs> I, I, I gotta, I gotta eat now before it gets to uh, 120 at 10 in the morning out here. So beautiful. Thanks again for your time, Kurt. You stay safe. Take care. He's Kurt Helen of NBC.com. It's uh, interesting when you talk, even though I mean we're not in the season of the NBA, but the talk is there, no question about it. Um, Summer League is going on in Las Vegas, and there's obviously what a lot has to do with that. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're a sports nut society. We're in the baseball season. We're talking about football. We're talking about basketball. We're talking about hockey. We're talking about golf. I mean, there's a subject matter for each of the sports. And that's what makes what we do so interesting and so much fun. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live. And you stay safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.